Well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul, and I am not an animal expert. Hello, I'm Donna, and I'm also not an animal expert. We have a really good show for you today. We have a little extra thing going on with a guest. It's Sarah McAnulty, and she's the executive director for the science communication nonprofit Skype a Scientist and an assistant research professor at the University of Connecticut. Yay! <laughs> so, Welcome. like an actual expert. Oh. That happens sometimes. We bring people on to make keep us honest. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Woohoo! Just a reminder go to varmints.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at Varmints Podcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We run a Pinterest board. Go on over there and put varmints into the search engine there. You'll find our page. We have a wonderful listener that takes care of that for us, and we thank them a lot we also have merchandise over at redbubble just put your our name into the search engine over there and you'll see our merchandise you can get varmints leggings if you want just let us know and we'll put them up for you so if you like the show why not tell a friend about it and introduce them to our podcast we're everywhere podcasts are found and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow yes (laughs) welcome sarah Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, the way I met you was through Twitter, and I, I had been subscribing subscribing to your Twitter. Is that a thing? I've been following you on Twitter for a little while, mm-hmm. and and I found out that you were a squid expert, and I think what I said to you was, I'm so scared that you're going to listen to our episode on squid and hate it. <laughs> your episode on squid was not inaccurate. Everything okay, I heard good. sounded good. Yay! Good. We love it when that happens. Woo-hoo. And then last week or so, you said, "Hey, I want to come on some podcasts and talk about squid." I was, I, I was like, I told my group on Facebook, I was like Horshack on Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. Raising my hand, like, oh, 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 oh. No. oh. <laughs> so, why squid? How did that start? Yeah, I mean, I was interested in squid, uh, honestly, from the time I was a little kid, which I know is like not the normal thing for a little kid to be into. But um, I had taken a video out of the library. Uh, It was all about the ocean. It was one of these Nat Geo uh, videos. And about halfway through, Twilight Zone music started playing and they introduced the cuttlefish. And cuttlefish are very closely related to squid um, and super weird looking animals. And I'd never seen anything that looked like them. And so these cuttlefish were doing what's called passing cloud, which is basically like they're taking a black bar and moving it across their body to the point where they kind of look like like a, an, the embodiment of a hypnotist's wheel. And so I was only like, yeah, eight. And I saw that I had been obsessed with dinosaurs in the past. And I pretty much switched over to squid like that moment. And so um, ever since, I've just been interested, and um, I was kind of hell-bent on getting into cephalopod research as an adult. Well, I just got a note from Cotton Shorts, who just wanted to wish us luck for this episode, and he wanted to uh, tell us that, as it turns out, down on their luck, cephalopods live on squid row. (laughs) 
Are you going to include that in the final recording or not, Paul? But I figured I better let you know. Oh, I sure will. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cool, Sarah. Yes. Well, since we didn't get to do a a proper podcast with you, because usually we have an expert on for our regular show. And uh, since we already recorded the show, we're just going to like go through the little categories that we normally go through and uh, get your uh, your thoughts on Squid. Sounds Sound good. good. All right. Yeah. Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. So last time we talked about squid, Donna covered their ink. I talked about their tentacles and arms, which uh, does it also drive you nuts when people say that octopus have uh, tentacles? Honestly, not really. The longer I've spent in like the field of science communication, the more I'm like, you know what? Like, I understand why you would think that that's a tentacle. Um, If you ask me, I'll tell you the difference between a tentacle and an arm. Um, But I try to generally tell scientists on the whole to kind of just chill on like when it comes to semantics, because we just kind of make people feel unwelcome in science when we (laughs) get hung up on like the nonsense details that at the end of the day, really don't matter. Like they matter if you're going to be a squid biologist, but they probably don't matter if you're just talking about an animal um, at a bar or whatever. So yes, there's a difference. Yes, it's important uh, physiologically, but when you're just talking over a pizza or whatever, if whatever, you know, I try not to get too upset about it. Okay, I, that's a thing I have to learn. To just be chill? <laughs> to just be chill. I'm yeah. saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Donna, Donna knows me. Uh-huh. <laughs> what I should have said was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so was there like an adaptation or a physical characteristic that we might have missed? Was there one that you wanted to sort of expound on? There are so many different things that cephalopods do that it's kind of hard to even wrap it into one hour. So we had just a couple of listener questions. Gerald, uh, his daughter wanted to know where the squid's ink came from. And we said that it comes from their their lungs. Is that more or less correct? So um, the equivalent of a squid's lung is its gills. And so the gills don't breathe in air the same way our lungs breathe in air. It's more like water passes over their gills. And so the whole mantle cavity, which is like the squid's torso, basically, um, that whole area is open to the seawater. And so when they go to breathe or swim, they breathe water into that cavity. And then uh, if they're trying to jet, they will close off the area that they use to bring the water in quite quickly and then squirt it out of a much smaller tube called the siphon. And so that allows them uh, to basically have that jet propulsion be able to happen. And so when they're releasing their ink, the ink sac is closer to their face than the gills are. The gills are a little further back. They're basically like on the back sides, um, the sides toward the back end of of the squid. And so um, it doesn't come from their lungs. It comes from their like whole body cavity, but the ink itself is in the ink sac. And then it's squirted like right near where the siphon 
um, shoots the water out so that you don't end up having like a whole uh, mantle cavity full of ink. You're just shooting the ink out um, because if ink clouds up your gills, um, they can suffocate. And so it's this really nasty, sticky substance that you don't want floating around inside your body. Sure. Is that an actual danger for squid to like suffocate on their own ink? It's a danger in captivity for sure. Um, but it's not generally an issue in the ocean because they can just swim away. Very cool. Yeah. I was surprised to find out that the uh, squid ink does not come from their butts. It doesn't come from their butts. Well, okay. Let's talk about butts in general. Sure. Because Let's a- talk about butts in general. <laughs> yes. The answer to that question request is always yes. Let's talk yeah. about butts. Because it's like pretty complicated when you're not dealing with an animal that looks like us because our our butt and our anus are in the same place and so we think of butt as kind of all being the same thing like but in a squid you look at a squid or a cuttlefish you know they're like butt that we would think of as their butt like the back end the round back end um is what i think of when i think of a squid's butt but like where the excrement comes out is actually like right under their chin kind of. So like, Oh my. It's, it's wild. So the, the animal is taking food in through its beak, which is right in the center of its tentacles, basically tentacles slash arms. So right kind of smack in the middle of its face. And then it swallows and then goes back to the whole mantle cavity for digestion. And then when it poops, it's pooping through the anus, which is right inside of the siphon. And the siphon is like right under their face. So like, I'm not going to call the siphon the squid's butt because butt to me is like the round (laughs) area more so than the excrement area. So like, it depends on how we define butt. Does the ink come out of the squid's anus? Almost yes. Like in the right in the same uh, neighborhood for in sure. In the same neighborhood, sure. Yeah. So that's how <laughs> that's how I'll answer that. Very very cool. Yeah, because Tiff was wondering, do squid have butts? So there you go, Tiff. So sure, yeah. Yeah. I say yes. What was the most surprising thing that you've learned about squid so far? The most surprising thing I've learned about squid. Okay. Well. Hmm. There are so many surprising things I've learned about squid. Some of them I've learned recently and some of them I've learned like 20 years ago. And so it's hard for me to like parse out what was surprising when, but I recently, okay, maybe like 15 years ago, I learned that um, they're actually colorblind, which is kind of amazing for these animals who are able to do such a good job of camouflaging and color matching to a background. That's like really, really impressive. And so knowing that these animals are colorblind um, is wild. But what they are able to see that we are not able to see is polarized light. So every, every unit of light has a wavelength, and that is equivalent to the color that we see. But they also have uh, a direction. And so the squid are able to see the direction that the light is coming from in addition to, well, no, not in addition to, they just, they can see the color it's coming from and that's the polarization, whereas we can't see that. And then we can see color, which they really can't see because we have three color detectors in our eyes and they really only have one, except 
for the firefly squid, which is this really, really cool squid that lives in Japan. They um, are super bioluminescent. They have tiny little photophores, which are these like light producing organs all over their back, but they also have them at the ends of their tentacles, which look like these two little bright, bright, bright blue balls at the ends of their tentacles. They're gorgeous animals. And so it's really important if you're a firefly squid to be able to tell the difference between the light coming down from above and your friends that are trying to blend in with the light coming down from above. So they also have three color detectors just like we do, but it's all in the blue range of light. So as to us, it's just like, if we looked at the shades of blue that they could differentiate between, it would all look almost identical to us. It all just looks kind of like bright blue, but to them, it looks, you can, they can really distinguish. So they can say, oh, that's my friend and that's just light. Whereas a fish swimming below wouldn't see anything. And so that is like, so, so cool to me. That is so cool. Yeah. Wow. That probably really helps in the light conditions that they're in a lot of the time, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to talk a little bit more about squid. But first, um, Sarah, I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell people where to find you, where to interact with you, and about your Patreon for Skype a Scientist. Yeah, sounds good. So you can find me personally and learn a lot more about squid at uh, Sarah Mac Attack. That's S A R A H. M-A-C-K, Attack, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, you can find more um, about my... The, so I run this program called Skype a Scientist, and our uh, main goal is to get more people talking to scientists and making science as accessible as humanly possible. And so um, our nonprofit matches thousands of groups, be them um, classrooms and families, um, scout troops, any group of five people or more, though right now during the coronavirus uh, outbreak, um, anybody of any group size can sign on up and you can get matched with a scientist of whatever type you like. We have 30 categories of scientists to choose from and you can also learn about individual scientists that participate and request them specifically. So if you want to talk to somebody who knows a lot about sharks or somebody who knows a lot about squid, you can type shark or squid into our little scientist search tool and then request them specifically so that you and your family at home can talk to somebody who's an expert in whatever field you want to know more about. And so um, you can check that out at skypeascientist.com um, and you can support that work at patreon.com slash skypeascientist. Yay. <laughs> yeah, go do it. Do it. Hey there everyone, Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time, on movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. Sir, we're hoping that you're a nerd just like us. Yep, I think so. <laughs> Do you have a uh, a particular favorite squid in pop culture thing? That's a great question. And I never have a good answer for this because I haven't played Splatoon. Uh, even though I've been told to play Sp Splatoon re repeatedly, I do play video games. 
Um, but I have not played Splatoon. Um, I think that the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Giant Squid might be my favorite, and I don't have a good reason for that. Um, I just like him. I don't like Squidward because he's a grump, and I think that squid are not on the whole grumpy. Um, so Squidward does not get the Sarah McAnulty seal of approval. Um, <laughs> well, can I tell you something about Squidward? Yeah, go for it. The reason I did not talk about him on our podcast was that he, his name is Squidward, but he actually identifies as a great, uh, North, what's it called? North Pacific, great Pacific octopus. He's an Daddy. octopus. Yeah. Well, that's nonsense. It sure is. <laughs> Pure nonsense. Well, even more reason to not like Squidward. Ugh. I don't even know what Squidward is. He's from uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, see? He's... I'm old and have no children, so <laughs> I've missed out on both of those references from reference opportunities. <laughs> he, he's SpongeBob's next-door neighbor, and he's also SpongeBob's co-worker at the Krusty Krab. And he, he is continuously annoyed by uh, SpongeBob and Patrick. Like he just, that's his whole character is just one of two things, being annoyed with Patrick and, and SpongeBob or working at the Krusty Krab and just trying to be like employee of the year at the Krusty Krab. Hmm. But he's very, very grumpy. Ah. Bah. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like something Squidward would say. Bah. Yeah, yeah I don't really know. on brand for Squidward. Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> He's on point for Squidward. I just no, never heard of him, so there you yep. go. But I don't think we should be relying on SpongeBob for uh, exact, you know what I mean? They've got a lot of poetic license on that cartoon because SpongeBob doesn't even look like a sea sponge, so. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't be going to them for facts. Got SpongeBob a break. Yeah. <laughs> Donna, both of us missed out on. Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Uh, we didn't miss out on it. We I just, missed out on it. We, um, you know, I meant I talk about Finding Nemo and Dory every chance we get, but this time it was too. There was too much lure in talking about the Kraken. So yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? To be fair, the the squid in Finding Nemo only has a couple of lines, and yeah. she's like the little kid squid. Yeah. Here, I got the. I have a, ridiculously cute. Yeah. Oh, she's, I didn't know that you were talking about her. She's not a squid. She's an octopus, I think. Yeah, she's a tiny widow widow octopus, a tiny little one that actually lives far too down deep in the ocean. For real? Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought she was a squid. No, she is not. She is a specific kind of octopus. They have a, those little ears on her sides. Yeah. A little Dumbo octopus. Yeah, that's what they're called. Thank oh. you. Oh. My goodness. She's not a squid. She's an octopus. There is a squid in Finding Nemo, but it is an antagonist that tries to eat them. And it's gorgeous art. Beautiful. But no, she is she is a she is a octopus. And she's wow. a deep water octopus, so she shouldn't even really be hanging out with those guys, but that's okay. All right. Yeah, no, I didn't know that 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 little It's okay. I you thought, don't have to leave it in the show if you don't want to. Don't I'm going to leave it in because you know, we're learning here. I just learned a thing. So, hey, I, maybe somebody else out there thought that 
that cute little octopus was a squid. Maybe they did. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. It's sure. totally possible. <laughs> We're all learning things every day. Like they're really cute in real life. They just. They're ridiculous looking. They're so cute. It hurts to look at them. Yes. <laughs> All right, here, uh, we're going to ask you the million-dollar question, but I have to play a, a, a little bumper here first. Okay. What's the matter with you? Aren't you hungry? Aren't you going to eat that? Come on, eat! Okay, so Donna and I both love us some calamari. Yeah, then that's great, because... Uh, cephalopod, not all cephalopods, but for sure, like market squid are a more sustainable seafood than um, a lot of fish are. So if you're going to eat seafood, eat squid by all means, because they re reproduce incredibly fast. They live about a year, most market squid that you're going to get um, on the east coast of the U.S. or west coast of U.S. They're called uh, Dory Toothis. That's their genus name. And they're, it's a different species on the east and west coast, but they look remarkably similar and uh, yeah, there are ridiculous numbers of them. And as we are hunting out all of their predators, there are more and more of them because they're not getting um, eaten by predators. And so eventually climate change is going to catch up to them like with everything else, probably. But I'm not saying go eat squid all day, every day, because eventually we will definitely um, injure that kind of resource. But <laughs> If you're going to eat a sea animal, squid are a great choice environmentally. That's good to know. Wow. I've never had them in any way other than fried. Have you had them some other way? I've just had them fried with like some sort of thing to dip it in. My go-to is uh, squid ceviche. So you take squid, Ooh. preferably that is like super ultra fresh. So if you're like on the coast and then you slice it real thin and then uh, put it in like, you know, acidy stuff, um, like lime, orange, lemon, and then eat it. And it's so good. It sounds oh, yummy. Sounds delightful. So wow. It's good. So yeah. Yum, 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 yum. For a minute, I was worried that you were going to be like, oh my gosh, no, I study them. How could I possibly eat them? So I don't eat the uh, the species that I study, and I don't eat cuttlefish because I think that cuttlefish are too cute to eat. Um, this is like <laughs> it's a nonsense opinion to have because I'm not saying that like pigs aren't cute. Uh, not that I really eat pigs much, but I, but like cows are incredibly cute, and I like definitely still will eat a burger once every six months or whatever. Um, we definitely talk about that on the show. We every once in a while we'll have a you know. The way that people reason out whether or not they're going to do this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it makes no sense whatsoever. But like acknowledging that, I cannot eat a cuttlefish and I will not eat a cuttlefish. It's like, I, well, why do we not have a cuttlefish for a pet instead of a, a, a dog? Well, oh, I mean, well that's incredibly that's hard to take care of. That's right. They're incredibly hard to, to care for. Yeah. <laughs> Right. That's part of the reason, right? But the other reason is dogs manipulated us to hang out with them 30,000 years ago. And that's, you know, you got to <laughs> actually have some energy if you want to be a domestic animal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this chihuahua in my lap, so I'm feeling very manipulated right now. <laughs> Are you manipulative? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I want to just talk about 
Skype a scientist a little bit more. How did that start? Um, it yeah. was January of 2017, and um, there was a lot of turnover in our country. A lot of people were really worked up about a lot of things. And so um, a lot of the scientists were all talking on Twitter, um, just sort of like screaming into the void. And I wanted to give them something to do that would actually be beneficial, more beneficial than screaming on Twitter, which is generally speaking, uh, <laughs> not the most helpful thing that a person could do. And so I was like, all right, we've got all this energy, let's use it. And so um, we were thinking, how can we reach people that um, aren't currently being reached with a lot of science communication that's currently happening? And so we decided to start with schools because, um, if you have a teacher that's interested in science, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of their students are interested um, in the science. But if we bring in an expert who knows what they're talking about, that may be more engaging or interesting or for, for whatever reason, um, make science come alive for those folks um, and be a little more interesting than what comes out of a textbook. And um, particularly what we really wanted to do was show people that science is for everybody. And so uh, when, folks sign up uh, to get matched with the scientist. We ask them if over half of their group is of a given underrepresented group in STEM. And if they are, we try to match them with a scientist from that same group um, because we wanna show particularly the younger kids that there are people just like them in science. There's nothing stopping them from being a scientist. They're welcome in science. Oh. And so um, that's basically what we're trying to do, just show people that scientists are just like them. Scientists are real people. We're not the caricatures that you see in TV and movies, um, that we're approachable. And more importantly than anything, that science is for everyone. I, I'm legit getting choked up over here. That is beautiful. Oh. oh, thanks. That is so cool. Is there a fee? No, it's totally free. Um, it's totally do, free. Totally. Um, if you can donate to us, we really, really appreciate it. But um, if you can't afford it, that's totally fine. Um, you can still participate. That is amazing. And I was looking at the list of scientists that you have that I, I guess they're all volunteering to do this. Yeah. And there are very, very, very specific things that these scientists talk about. It's not just a general biology science. It's a, a scientist. It's a like a squid biologist or a dingo biologist over in Australia, but very, very specific niche little topics. That's exactly right. I think people don't realize that when you're you're a professional scientist, the thing that you focus on is almost sometimes like comically specific. Like I, as a scientist, like what, if I were talking to another scientist and they asked what I do, I would say, you know, I study how bacteria in squid communicate with the immune system of squid. And yes, I know about squid broadly. I can talk about squid as a group and ecologically um, and from all these different angles, but really what I was doing professionally was just focusing on how beneficial bacteria interact with a squid's immune system. And that's like, you don't maybe think when you're a kid about becoming <laughs> a scientist that you're gonna be so laser focused on this one little thing, um, but that kind of is how we operate. Um, and so even showing people that, uh, to show like, yeah, I know a lot about squid, but even if you ask me questions about octopus, like I'm not always sure because my focus is on the squid and cuttlefish. And so, um, I think being able to show kids that a lot of the times our answers are, I don't know, 
um, kind of decreases the intimidation factor around science. Like we're not super geniuses. We're just people that know a ridiculous amount about a specific thing. How many scientists do you have on board? Because I, I, there was a huge list of them. Oh, yeah. So the list that you see online is the, are the scientists who um, are still available for sessions. So they haven't been like maxed out for this uh, time period. But in total, we have almost 5,000 scientists this semester. Wow. wow, that is amazing. Yeah, it's wild. And so is there, if I had an eight-year-old that wanted to know more about, I don't know, just pick something. Lemurs. Uh, lemurs. Sure. If I had an eight-year-old that wanted to learn about lemurs, is there a specific scientist that could talk to an eight-year-old about lemurs as opposed to a scientist that could talk to a 40-year-old about lemurs? I mean... That Do you match up question. by age? Yes. So typically what happens is there's uh, classrooms will sign up. But right now, times are kind of weird because we're all stuck at home. And so um, when you sign up, you tell us who your kind of target audience is. Um, and so typically now during this like families all stuck in the house together uh, situation, you'll have somebody who's 40 and, and somebody who's eight sitting on the couch together having a conversation. Um, but tell us that uh, you have the eight-year-old around based on the grade that they're in. And then our scientists tell us, I'm comfortable speaking about my uh, specialty with these age groups. And then we'll, the, our matching algorithm will only allow the match to happen if the scientist has agreed that they are comfortable speaking with that age group. Um, but generally speaking, we have so many people that will find somebody um, willing and, and able to talk to your group. So like right now, I just looked at our, our um, database, typed in the word lemur. We have five lemur scientists, which <laughs> I just I just can't believe no matter what word I type in, we get so many people <laughs> showing up. But like I literally just pulled lemur out of the air when you said that. Like I, lemur was not uh, something I had prepared. Um, and so probably one of these five scientists is going to be okay speaking with an eight-year-old. Um, so we have your first choice and your second choice uh, slots, so you can put both people in there. Most folks are able to like code switch between um, scientific speak and um, eight-year-old speak, but um, if they're not, like some of our particle physicists, for example, aren't super comfortable talking to elementary schoolers, um, which I understand because I, as a 30-year-old woman, still don't understand anything about particle physics. <laughs> um, so, you know, that maybe uh, is a little tougher, but usually the animal scientists uh, can make that work. That is so cool. Yeah. So how many other squid scientists are there besides you? Quite a few. <laughs> That's see. great. Um, actually, you know what? A lot of them have been taken. So I, this only shows you the scientists that are still available. There are two scientists currently available because I think I talk about the program a lot and people that follow me tend to like squid. So um, our squid folks get snatched up pretty quick. But I know we had at least seven um, in the system at the beginning of the semester. That is fantastic. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, Sarah, tell everybody once again how we can get a hold of you, where we can follow you, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Sarah <coughs> Mac Attack. That's S-A-R-A-H-M-A-C-K Attack. You can follow uh, Skype a Scientist on Twitter 
at Skype Scientist. You can follow us on Instagram at Skype a Scientist. You can follow uh, our website at uh, skypeascientist.com. Um, you can help support our program at patreon.com slash skypeascientist. And I think that is all the ways you can contact us. Yeah. That's excellent. Support this program on Patreon because it's just amazing. Go to the website and check it out. You're going to be blown away by just the free science resources that are there. Uh, just it's it's amazing. Thanks. It yeah, really is. You. We are like so open to talking to as many people as possible. Um, we've got thousands of scientists ready to go. That is so awesome. Thank you so very, very much for joining us today. Hope you had a yeah. good time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, this podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo. Our bid music was, was by Kevin McLeod, and our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Jennifer Chomo, Stacey and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago. Thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time, be nice to animals. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com. Hey, guess what they have plenty of at the grocery store? Squid? LaCroix. <laughs> oh, they don't always have enough LaCroix at my grocery store, can I just say. Sometimes I have to, like, either get a bad flavor or just not get it at all. Yeah, what, what's a bad flavor besides plain? Uh, actually, I like plain, um, but I, and I, okay, my only acceptable flavors are plain or pomplamoose or passion fruit. Everything oh, else you're... can get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife, she goes, what flavor do you want to get? I said, anything that's yellow or orange. If the box is yellow or orange, just get it. And she got me orange. That's so, fine, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I've never had an orange one, but I've had the cranberry one, and I have no tolerance for that. Uh, I don't like the cranberry one. It's gross. Yep. And actually, I prefer tangerine to orange, but it's okay. I'm just glad I have it. That's good. That's yeah. like my official podcast recording beverage. Yeah, fizzy beverages are essential. Yeah. <laughs>